0: what is up everybody i hope y'all are having a phenomenal phenomenal day My name is Colton Trout. I am the president of the New Horizons Networking Breakfast Group, here to interview another amazing business owner to share not only their tips and tricks of their trade, but as well share more about who they are and how they serve people well. If you like the sound of that, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you share this with a friend, because we are going to talk about some amazing, amazing information today. And today I've got Dan Garza, so Dan, why don't you come on and introduce yourself, Tell us a little bit about who you are to get us started.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I am Dan Garza. I've been in mortgage banking now for uh, way, way, way long. Uh, I used to say most of my adult life, and now I've been at it so long, I can honestly say half of my entire life I have been in mortgage. Community. <clears throat> and uh, which means I've seen uh, every kind of market condition you can think of, including back during the 80s. and the Carter years when interest rates were way into double digits and then, you know, the falls and just everything in between. So uh, I've been at it a long time and I would love to share more about me personally if you'd like to hear it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dan.
1: Okay, well, I'm I'm not new to this area, but I'm actually originally from Ohio. I made my way here after I got out of the service uh, when I was a very young man and um, immediately gravitated toward the financial industry. out uh, making mobile home loans, of all things, and then migrated from that to uh, a company called Home Savings of America, Um, and I grew with them to become their national top producer, which is noteworthy, but even more so considering they were the largest savings bank in the nation at the time, and a California-based association at that, which means for me, way over here in Texas, the state claim to the number one top producer uh, kind of blew them away. Uh, kind of blew me away. But a lot of what it took to uh, achieve that had to do with sort of the discipline I learned when I was in the mm-hmm. military. And I sort of adapted it and, and did really well with it. So um, anyway, I, I actually left working for a bank when they got bought out by Washington Mutual, that was a long time ago, and was one of the first to be licensed as a mortgage broker in Texas. In fact, my mortgage broker license was uh, 123 And I tell people a joke about a complaint I got one time uh, from a lady that didn't like one of my loan officers. And uh, she said, I want your license number. And I said, one, two, three. Damn it, give me your license number. (laughs) 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 But uh, anyway, uh, starting in about 2000, I grew my own mortgage broker operation to about 50 employees and was a member of a network group then that had a merger acquisitions expert. And he started hitting me up about the idea of selling my company. And I didn't have any interest in selling my company at the time, uh, but he kept coming back over and over again and, and said, you know, every smart business owner has an exit plan, which is true, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you're a smart guy to capture the equity you've built in your company. Maybe go build another one later. But um, so after being sort of convinced that that might be a good idea, I reluctantly went to my key employees and said, I'm gonna sell the company. And so he brought a buyer and I rejected the initial offer and they came back a few more times until I finally said, if you're willing to pay me that for this company. (laughs) 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 right?" What's ironic about that story is this took place in late 2006 and for those of you, of us that remember what happened in 2007 and eight, the bottom completely fell out of the housing market and the financial markets. And, uh, literally Perfect. a month or two after I sold my company, I couldn't have given it away and, you know, no hard feelings on the people who bought it because none of us knew at the time just how things were going to play out. But I dodged a huge bullet, and a friend of mine who convinced me to sell my company really did me a a, a good service, needless to say. So um, anyway, I took a little time off after that sale, uh, literally sat on the beach for a little while, (laughs) and got bored, (laughs) and and, uh, went to work for Bank of America. And my resume was looking pretty good by then, and so they grabbed me up. And then uh, about three years after that, Wells Fargo recruited me. And so I I jumped ship and went over to Wells and uh, not to sound like a guy that gets around, but about three years after that, Chase Bank (coughs) came calling. And uh, so now I'm- They don't want you, Dan. So they don't
0: want you. Well, my
1: point is- I, I kind of get to brag about the about the fact that I've worked for all the big players in the industry mm-hmm. Sort of know how they do it from the inside. So when I compete with them, in, you know, in my world today, uh, I know, really do know what I'm talking about. And if I'm competing against Chase, for example, I, I kind of know what their rules are like. And in fact, you and I shared before we went live here during our short chat session that uh, Chase recently, in light of current uh, unprecedented events, um, has really raised the bar and won't let anyone buying a home with a conventional loan put less than 20% down. Mm-hmm. Won't talk to anybody with credit score below 700. Wow. And, uh, yeah, now I can't, I'm not a spokesperson for Chase, so if you're a Chase customer out there, be sure and check and get this message firsthand, but I did hear that from two very reliable sources, so. Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, yeah, it's true. So uh, about a year ago, I left uh, Chase uh, because I felt like it was. There's an entrepreneurial spirit in me dating back to when I was a mortgage broker, and I was overdue. In fact, during those years working for the big banks, there was something in me that I always felt like, you know, this is I belong out there on the front line, being hmm. my own kind of person, company. And so I, um, I went out and uh, went to work for a company that actually paid me with a W-2, but only because I think they have to, otherwise they give me a 1099 truth do not even who my boss is. So I'm self-employed. And then I went a step further and recently applied for a broker's license. And that's a step above being just a loan originator. And that means that I can actually correspond and work directly with wholesale lenders and offer their products. And when you get a dozen of them or so together, you can offer a menu that numbers in the hundreds, literally
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, programs available for every type and kind of buyer. So anyway, in my effort to get the word out and to to keep my name in front of the many, many people I've made loans to over the years, uh, I looked around and found this network group. And that's where I met you, Colton. Yeah and I have since joined a few more, including the local chamber of commerce. Mm
0: -hmm. that,
1: That kind of brings us to today.
0: Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I love too how you had mentioned that, you know, you were working at Chase, but then you got that entrepreneurial itch. And I know every single entrepreneur that I've ever talked to that has ever really worked a job has always come to that point where they're like, I need to be working for myself, building my own company, building my own mm-hmm. dreams, not working for somebody else, not working to build their dreams, but working to build my own business. And I think that's something as all entrepreneurs, we can all rally behind. and We can all celebrate that you made that move because it's a big move for sure. But it's definitely one that as, as entrepreneurs, we all really enjoy that move. <laughs> it's so yeah, free.
1: You and I think are very much alike when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. We do to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what made you want to go from, cause you did loans initially and then you worked with the banks and then getting back into the loan business. Did you always know that you were going to get back into the loan business or was there something that just called you into getting back into the, the loan business or what made you say, you know what, I'm going to leave chase. I'm going to go into the loan business and this is a business I'm going to do.
1: I'm laughing only because no, no time during my little speech did I say that I got out of the loan business. It was oh. always in loans it's while in loan. working with banks. Yeah. Oh, wow, well, that's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, that it's that skill set that the banks were most interested in. Hmm. And had they asked me to play any other role at the bank, was, I don't think there's any way I would have done
0: it. Yeah. 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 So what? So what made you? All the way back whenever you first got started then get into the loan business was it just simply like the financial side to it or is it just something that clicked for you and you're like I love this I love helping my clients in this way yeah you know a whole bunch of joy from it
1: yeah no that's a good question actually I knew from a pretty young age that uh, that I wanted to to be a a white collar admin uh, numbers punching sort of person When I joined the Air Force, it's funny, I had a friend that tried to convince me to join the Marine Corps with him so we could both be rough and tumble and run up hills with rifles and do that thing. And I said, no, I think I'd rather have a nice white collar job maybe in the Air Force, you know, flying a desk. And so ironically, he joined the Marine Corps, ended up behind a supply desk. I joined the Air Force and ended up jumping out of airplanes as a para specialist. So, go big.
0: Right. <laughs> oh man, the irony.
1: <laughs> right. But uh but fast forward, um, yeah, I, I always um knew that's where that's where my mind and heart was. When I first got out of the service dating back to my first job in finance, my father happened to be a mobile home mover. You may remember I mentioned that I got started making mobile home loans, and he actually had a contract with a company that called upon him to move mobile homes, a lot of them. And uh, they recent they were called upon to open a finance uh, operation that was actually owned by a savings bank in Colorado, I think. And they were looking for salespeople.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, being a young guy, and and I was, and expressing interest, my dad knew the managers at the company that were putting the call out, and so it was natural. I was I was in almost instantly, and uh, quickly rose to be among their very top. Producers as well, and then from that into the
0: Morgan. So okay, that's how it got started. Well, that's awesome. So it's so it's, it's really the opportunity that presented itself. So yeah. and that's actually kind of funny too. Um, so when I was not first getting started in entrepreneurship, I've been an entrepreneur and starting businesses probably for the last eleven years. Um, yeah. But when I got into the financial services, it was it was all opportunity. So and I quickly rose within the company that I was with there. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And that's actually what led to me doing my coaching business was I moved from that financial services company, did extremely well on it, and then moved over into doing the business coaching that I do today. Um, which is so, but the, once again, you know, uh, opportunity, it presents itself. And when you embark on it, it leads from one thing to the next. And then bada bing, bada boom, here we are. And yeah, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's Do it.
1: Just to talk in terms of what's going on today. Yeah. We talked again before we got started here about some of the challenges and some of the uh, panic that some people feel out there, depending on their industries. Uh, yeah. You know how they're affected. But just like you said, you know, doors open and opportunities are going to be created as a result of this very unfortunate thing that's going on, and uh, notwithstanding the pain and suffering of the people who've lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. but uh but that aside there's there's only because we're in the great us of a there's going to be new industries that, that blossom out of it and opportunities that you and i just can't think of right now but we're gonna we're gonna see them roll out and play out on the news and go wow i should have thought of that
0: Oh yeah. Innovation is going to happen. It's, and it is really sad for the people that have suffered and and felt a loss during this time, whether that be income or somebody that they love. Um, Innovation is going to come out of this. I have no doubt about that in any way, shape or form. You know, innovation has already started to come out of it. I mean, we look at our school systems and they've moved completely online. Um, What's to say next semester when things go back to normal, that they don't keep a portion of that online schooling, right? Or have that option for an online schooling. Now people know that it's possible that you can do it. What happened? The travel industry may go up, you know, because now you can do schooling from anywhere. So it's one of those things like, like I was homeschooled for most of my life. And we loved it because we could finish our work super early. We could always go on trips. We could go wherever we wanted to go. We could work from wherever we wanted to work. And that's the same thing with the business industries. Everybody's figuring out how to do business online, which is one reason like my business coaching is booming so well is because I've been doing it online and I coach people to do it online. And then now like for you, you're taking your loan business and moving that online, just like all the other business owners are. And it's so cool. And I know without a doubt, new industries are going to pop up. New innovation is going to happen. Continued innovation is going to happen because people are getting used to this online basis for working and people are really starting to enjoy it. So I don't know about you, but I mean, I've always loved the laptop lifestyle. So but, but what about you, you know, working as, in loan, um, moving to more of an online basis? How's that transition been for you?
1: It's actually, it's been pretty easy. I Dating back to, uh, golly, I hate to age myself too much, but dating back to when, when computers first rolled out, and within a few years, the mortgage industry talking more and more about paperless, this term back then that we couldn't quite get our head around, paperless. Yeah. What do you mean paperless? And, uh, but I embraced it, and uh, so fast forward to today, i already spent probably over half my time doing my job from home, yeah. uh, and I'm finding out in this modern age that my uh, customers accept it, and those who sense that I'm actually working from home are cool with it. In fact, many are envious of it, you know. Uh, and I can't hide it, especially if my dog barks, so you know, the way that goes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I have embraced it and uh, I'm really thankful that my customers won't take exception to it. You know, if early on the idea of doing your job from home meant why aren't you at the office? You know? but yep. not, not
0: yeah, but home. I think it's, it's bringing a level of authenticity back into the business world as well. Because like you said, you know, if your dog barks, your dog barks, You can't help it. So especially for those like have kids, like I've got clients and I've got people that I've worked with that, you know, they have kids and are like, hey, hold on one second. I'm so sorry. My son needs to ask me a question. It's like, yeah, like let them ask the question. Like, that's great. So I think it's letting the younger generations as well see the work ethic that the older generations have, and I'm really hoping that some of us, because I am a part of the younger generations, right? I hope that my generation really starts to see that work ethic and the amount of work that people put into their businesses and take notes and go start to put in that type of work ethic as well. <laughs> so I think it's, it's providing a lot of opportunity for people. So, but what about you? What do you think is some of the opportunities that are gonna be present? Well,
1: yeah, I mean, among the, the current opportunities are the fact that interest rates are super, super low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when you would ask me some of the topics that I wanted to talk about during this um, podcast, I mentioned that interest rates are so low, especially on 15 year loans, mm-hmm. um, that you, you stand to benefit, whether you take a 15 or a 30 year, it really doesn't matter. But if you can afford the higher 15 year payment, not only does much more of your payment go to principal reduction because it's higher, but the interest portion uh, is, is lower. So the combination of a lower interest rate than a 30 year loan and the higher payment than a 30 year loan combines collectively to the tune of tens of thousands. Um, and I'm not talking about people who will benefit later when they sell the home in 15 years. I'm talking about even people who own their home growing, say, the next five years. Yeah, Because if you're making a 15-year payment, when you walk from closing on the day of you, you sell your home, uh, you'll walk away with a whole lot more if you choose a 15-year, again, if you can afford the higher 15-year payment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can get into some numbers if you want to. Suffice to say, uh, anyone out there listening who wants to learn more about it, definitely get with me because I think you'll be uh, very pleasantly surprised to find out what, what the market currently offers. Um Otherwise, you know, there's a a couple misconceptions, I I think, especially among millennials. I think you're a millennial,
0: aren't you, Uh, This is where I start showing my age. I'm actually too young to be a millennial.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I'm right underneath the millennials. But, I mean, it depends on who you ask. Like, some people say, no, you're a millennial. Some people say, no, you're a part of the, I think it's like Gen Y or Gen Z or something like that, whichever one is right underneath millennials. Uh, But, Yeah.
1: Well, I'm, I'm always surprised among some of the younger folks I talk to about home ownership how most have this mistaken impression that it takes 20% to buy a home. Uh, I mentioned earlier that some banks have actually raised the bar and aren't accepting anything less than 20%, but FHA loans are still available, uh, that are VA loans for sure. Um, and so, but, but the current coronavirus situation aside, in in a normal market you can get by with as little as three percent or three and a half of course the least the less you put down the higher your payment's going to be because you're borrowing more um and there's a thing called mortgage insurance which is added typically anytime you're putting less than 20 percent down but for those who are squeezed for cash but who otherwise qualify uh thinking that you have to save up a gazillion dollars to buy a house is is a misnomer it's just not true yeah. Um, another thing about, uh, just to set kind of people's minds straight, uh, about credit scoring, right? Because we're in a refi market, I get calls from people who say, my neighbor got offered 3% on their loan, and why can't I get 3%, right? And maybe they can, but if they can't, it's usually because the neighbor got better credit than they do, right? <laughs> and it's, it's never pleasant to have to say, well, your credit score isn't as good, yeah. <laughs> as neighbors, because the best you're going to get in today's market is this, not you know that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's one uh, misnomer. Another, and I hate to say it about my own industry, but you know the, the whole the whole object behind advertising is to make the phone ring. And unless you're putting something out there in print or on the radio or on TV that really grabs attention, the phone's not going to ring. Mm-hmm. So you say things that are a little bit on the edge. Uh, For example, I've seen rates, I've had customers call me all the time claiming that they're seeing rates offered to them in an email, of say 2.7% on a 30 year fix. Well, the truth is most any lender can get you 2.6 or 7%, but only if you're willing to pay three or four points to get it. And three or four points is a lot of money. It's usually cost prohibitive. It doesn't usually make sense. And most legitimate lenders, including all the big banks and us, quote rates at zero points and then later talk to our customers about lowering the rate if they want uh, at an, an additional expense, which usually only makes sense if you plan to be in the home for a long time because you got to recover that expense. So, otherwise, uh, lots of moving parts to making a loan. Um, you know, there's a two sides or several sides to a, an equation when a person buys a home. There's the realtor doing their thing and the lender doing their thing to get things ready. The title company, the appraisers, the survey companies. There's all these pieces working in, in unison, um, and, and invariably there's going to be um, there's going to be mistakes made, uh, mm-hmm. not many, but there's going to be uh, understandings that need to be clarified there, um, there's going to be documents that need to be clarified. You know, we may ask for some bank statements and see that there's some deposits that we can't source, can't figure out where the money came from. And, uh, if it's money being used to make your down payment, it can't come out of thin air, right? You got to make sure it's yours. So, you know, sometimes (laughs) mattress. that's funny you say that because there's a term in the mortgage industry called mattress money. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, And it's actually, for some loan types, an acceptable source if culturally it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. And that's a a tricky one, uh, and it's definitely an underwriter's call on a case-by basis, but mattress plenty actually can be used. um, And generally speaking, there's basically four things that any lender looks for. We call it the four Cs, right? Capacity, you have the ability to repay the loan if we give it to you. Uh, collateral, kind of down payment you have. If the down payment's low, we hope your credit is better. Speaking of credit, that's one of the Cs also. And then the fourth one is is character, and that speaks to job stability. Mm-hmm. You can move every six months, last three or four years. Um, it doesn't necessarily disqualify you for a loan if you do, because uh, some people find opportunity, and heck yeah, they're going to take it. Yeah, um, but but just looking at it as a single piece, if that's sort of a weak area or an area of mild concern, and the credit is low, and the down payment is low, and you know, and these these things start to stack up, then of course that doesn't bode well. It might mean getting some counseling and maybe postponing the purchase until we can get you in the kind of shape that an underwriter would like better. So, um, and just one other thing on my notes here, I'm just reading through. Yeah. Uh, there's almost too much information on the internet when it comes to getting a mortgage loan. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that actually works to my advantage. Because if you go onto the internet right now and type the word mortgage or mortgage rate, you'll get 115 Google pages of ads and everything related to your search you know, keywords, yep. and you start actually clicking onto these sites and trying to read some of the material, you'll find conflicting information, you'll find so much information that you can't consume it. Just, just too much. You end up, if you spend an hour Googling and, trying, and researching, uh, especially in the mortgage space, you, 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 by and large, you're gonna walk away more befuddled than you were before you started to search. And that works to my advantage because First, first, I need to make sure that the person I work with likes me, and trusts me, and once we get that established, helping them understand that a lot of the information we're seeing online is just um, incorrect, yeah, uh, or skewed to the favor mm-hmm. of the person promoting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just this, this,
0: yeah. there's so much information out there. It gets really confusing. It gets really overwhelming, which for us experts, you know, we're able to kind of come back in and say, okay, let me reassure you some things that are true and shed some light on some full truths where you have only heard like half truths. Um, that's one thing I love to talk about is full truths versus half truths, especially of the industries um, that I'm in and, and that I coach in. So that's, that's awesome yeah. that you, that you also take advantage of that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's
1: uh, it's
0: uncanny. Yeah, awesome. Um, so in closing, what's one piece of advice that you would love to give everybody that's listening? Because you've given up so much advice, right? You've talked about the four Cs. You've talked about interest rates. You know, going for fifteen years better than a thirty-year right now. Uh, although both of them are phenomenal right now with interest rates being a little bit low. Um, you know, really shedding some light on some full truths versus half truths that people have typically heard, um, especially, you know, some young millennials like me, <laughs> um, quote unquote. So, but what's one last piece of advice that you'd love to give?
1: Well, you know, as you were saying that, the first thing that came to mind is the hurdle that we actually all face, not just me, which is we often start our dialogue over the internet or maybe even over the phone. Yeah, um, uh of course, the most distant communication is email. A second, a little bit closer, is text messaging, mm-hmm. and phone calls are a little bit better. But there's nothing that replaces an in-person meeting. Mm-hmm. Given today's environment, I know that's not a very a timely subject to bring up. But uh, but if you find a loan officer you like and you think you might want to do business with him, do do yourself. A favor, give, your, give yourself and that loan officer the courtesy of a, of a face-to-face visit, either at your place of work, his office, or her office, um, so that you can bridge a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, the relationship and get, the, get it established and established in trust. Who knows? Maybe you'll meet that loan officer and decide you don't like it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but until you meet him in person, so much is uh, so much is squandered because. Mm-hmm fall silent and they start ghosting and just fall away because because that that trust was never established
0: yeah yeah that's that's invaluable advice you know you have to know like and trust the person that you're working with especially in a big um big decision like going for a loan for a mortgage so but Dan thank you so much for coming on the podcast for everybody that's listening uh, Dan's bio and links are down in the description below so make sure that you take advantage of that you go read his bio you go check out the links that we've got posted down there if you've got any questions make sure that you give Dan a call Uh, make sure you also smash that subscribe button and you share this with a friend um, because this was amazing information for every single if you're over 18 you probably need to listen to this podcast Um, So other than that, make sure you share this with a friend. We are so thankful that you took the time out of your day to listen to this podcast, uh, and we are looking forward to talking with you soon. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. My
1: pleasure. Thank you, Colby. Take care.